Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please visit thepearl.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Let's talk this morning a little bit. I want to talk about life and dreams. I want to talk a little bit about just kind of who you are and how you're made and how, how God has put us all together in a specific way and, and what that means. Now, Abraham or Abram at this time, he's having a conversation with God. So here's the context. The context is that he just had to rescue Lot. He just had to, um, you know, go through some battles and rescue a family member in the previous chapter. And he was actually offered a deal. He was actually offered some, some uh, resource as part of a deal, and he turned it down because he knew it wasn't God. And uh, as he turns it down, now in chapter 15, he's sitting there and he's realizing, I mean, what do you do when you have turned down enough resource to maybe take care of your people for a generation? Because that may have been the level of what he turned down. And so he sits there and he goes, okay, Lord, I, I made the sacrifice. I said, no, but now I have a question. I have no children. And so there's no one to be my heir to take the family forward. I don't know what's going to happen. And he has a moment where he's reflecting on the sacrifice that he made, but now he's wanting to know if God's going to come through. Has anybody ever been there? Right? So you go through something and then you wonder if God's going to come through. And he starts to have a conversation with God and God speaks to him through a vision and a dream. Now, why this is really important is because visions and dreams is how God actually relates to his people. There's a word in the Bible, and the word is revelation, okay? The word is revelation. When we have a dream for our life, and I want to be a, a business person, or I wanted to be a youth pastor, or my wife was, a, was a, um, a violinist, and she wanted to be a music teacher, perhaps, for a while. That's great, but if you really want to tap into the kingdom of God, you have to ask yourself a question along the way, and the question is, God, you made me this way. How does my actual gifting and calling, how does it become a kingdom thing? How do I use it for the kingdom? To do that, you have to tap into revelation. God speaks to his people through revelation. The Bible is a revelation. When I say I have a dream for my life, that's one thing. But when God says he has a dream for your life, that's another thing. Tapping, in, the, tapping into that place between your dream and God's dream is, is what I call the space for faith. There's a little space in between what you think and what God thinks where we have to constantly move towards God and how he feels about you and about your destiny and about the church. God has a plan. God has a purpose and a dream. So our job is really to live by revelation. God's people have always lived by revelation. And in scripture, that could be a dream. It could be a prayer. It could be a, vis a vision. It could be a, a visitation because he actually has a visitation in this section of scripture from Jesus himself. One of the very few places in the Old Testament where Jesus makes an appearance. And he, they don't say his name. Here they call him Melchizedek, the great high priest, but it's Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus, God is the same yesterday, today, and what? And forever, he's the same. Jesus, Jesus shows up a couple of times. He showed up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, they're in the fiery furnace. And all of a sudden, you know, they pump the fire up 10 times hotter and they throw them in and, and they're all standing around watching and, here, and they're not burning up. And then in the middle of the fire that's 10 times harder than it was before, somebody else shows up in the fire. And he's brighter than the tenfold fire. 
It's one of the moments where Jesus shows up. He just kind of walks in and goes, hey guys. So, so here's, here's where we're at with Abraham. He has a dream, but the dream that he had confuses him. Whenever God gives you a dream, it will always have two things connected with it. This is very important. God's dream for your life, for our church, for a city, it always has two things connected to it. It has a burden connected to it, and it has a promise connected to it. Now, the burden, I won't spend a lot of time on, on this, but the burden is important because nothing that God did was for himself. How many of you know everything God did was for us? And so if we pick up our cross and we follow Jesus, we realize that everything that we do in life is for someone else. Yes, God fills us. Yes, God loves us. But we, we live according to a purpose. We live for other people. There's a burden attached with everything that God does in his dream. So if God says to Malia, I have a dream for you to be a doctor. I have a dream for you to go. Well, then, then that path for her has to include the testimony of God somewhere in that. Someone's going to walk into her office and they're going to need Jesus and she's going to pray for them. Or when I was in Portland years and years ago, my dentist, my, my orthodontist was an incredible guy, but he was also the prayer pastor at our church. Yeah. Do you know that when the orthodontist has a hold of you, you can't escape? <laughs> so the first time I ever went, Donna knows this, the first time I ever went, I went back in the chair and I looked up on the ceiling and it said like Jesus is Lord or something and you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and he would sit there and he would pray for me, you know, while he was work torturing me. And he would, but, but there was something he's never viewed him. A good friend of mine, he's never viewed his life as if I'm going to be a doctor and just build my own thing. He actually gave up about one third of his income uh, for his entire lifetime because he's getting close to retirement. He gave up about a third of his, of his retirement, of his income by just taking a portion of his week every week and just not working and saying, I'm going to give all of this to God. I'm going to give this time of my week to God. So so whatever God asks you to do, there's a burden with it. The burden has to do with other people. It has to do with why did God make you that way and what are you doing? And we have to be thinking about others and building the church and praying for people and because that burden allows us to stay in a kingdom realm. Because the minute that your dream leaves the heavenly realm, it goes from a God thing to a you thing. And in that place of faith, when you, when you are not living in the, in the heavenly realm, the kingdom realm with your dream, then, then that space between you and God, the inheritance is not there. The power of God does not flow. The things that God has promised you don't happen the way you think because now it's about you and it's not about the great commission. The reason why we exist and so the burden is important because the minute you lose the burden, you lose the power. Because God backs up the burden. He doesn't back up the gift. The gift is here, and it's given, the Bible says, without repentance. He made you the way that you are. It's a gift. But if you want the anointing to flow, God first, he gives you the gift, and then he attaches a burden, and then he moves in the anointing and touches you with the anointing of God as you flow in a kingdom realm. And I'm telling you, there's one thing that you can do with your career and your job and your relationships on your own, but when the anointing of God is on it, things begin to change. 
You begin to view, you start to have Abraham kind of experiences. Lord, here I go today, wherever I go, wherever the, the soles of my feet shall be tread, shall be given to me. You have a job for me. There's someone that I need to love today. There's someone that I need to bless today. Lord, bring someone across my path that needs to hear about you today. Every day of my life, let there be one person in my life that I just have to say hello to or, or give a prayer for. Father, just let me live like Abraham. And all of a sudden now, you go from this world to this world. That's the burden. But the other thing is the promise. This is what we call the Abrahamic promise. It's a covenant. So God says to Abraham, look up to the skies, look up there, and if you could count them, which you can't, that's what your descendants are gonna look like. That, that's how big of an impact you're gonna have. Now, if you're in your late 80s and you don't have any children, I'm 50, I don't want any more children. The very thought of it makes me break out into hives. It makes me wanna to go to counseling that I don't wanna have in, in that sense. I mean, I, in that sense, you know, you know what I mean? He's, he's listening to God, he's going, wait a minute, hold on. I'm 80, almost 90 years old. This makes no sense. And he says, well, you haven't given me any children. So how can you say I'm going to have an heir? You've given me no children. And then God says something even more frustrating. Nope, it's going to be one of your own children. And now you're stuck in between earth and heaven. And you have to decide what to do, but there's a promise. There's a promise that goes with everything that God does. And when you're having a really horrible day and your life does not seem like it's headed in the direction that you thought it was gonna go, uh, or, or you're facing something in your vision, the, the thing you're building, whether it's a family, a business, trying to handle a career, and something goes wrong, and you're like, I just need courage. I just, I gotta get up there. Lord, give me courage. Has anyone ever prayed for courage? Okay, so when you pray for courage, that's a good thing, but I wanna tell you something. Eventually, your courage is gonna run out. If, you, if you're in the middle of a battle and you start to lose courage and then you lose physical strength and then all of a sudden you, you're not sure what to do, did you know that God sometimes just brings us to the end of ourselves so that we can discover that there's still something there called a promise that doesn't disappear? When your strength is gone, the promise is still there. When your intellect is gone, the promise is still there. When your finance is gone, the promise is still there. And there's no way for us to understand a kingdom dream or a kingdom life unless we understand that everything that we have is gonna run out, including our breath, but the promise of God is still there. So that when this, when this person leaves the earth, I know there will be stars left over running the church. Listen, every once in a while, you just have to be reminded like I do that this is not about me and I can't do it on my own, you see? So the promise is always there. So let's look at these verses just for a second. Verse one, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a, in a dream or a vision. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear, one of the most common things that, that unites us as in humanity is fear. What's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen tomorrow? How am I gonna feed my family? How do I protect myself? We have fear. He says, don't be afraid, Abram. Because Abram now is sitting going, he's going, how in the world is this gonna happen? I'm afraid. And he said, I am your shield and your reward. So what God does with Abraham is he talks directly to the two basic needs that humanity has emotionally. A shield, are you gonna protect me? Think about it. Are we blessed to be living in the United States of America? Yeah. 
it's healthy for us to recognize that today on another part of the planet, people can't do this without risk of losing their lives or having their family executed. You see, sometimes I think in Western culture, we literally forget what it means to have to want, want to have protection because we have like a, we have a, a, a house with a lock on it. We have police on the streets. We live in a country that has sovereignty. We have the greatest military on planet earth and, and no one's chasing Christians down, trying to kill them. But there is something because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, when kind of you go through something, it doesn't matter if you're facing a bankruptcy or you're facing a, a divorce or something with a child. You're going to come to a place to where you're going to say, God, you got to help me. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And so first there's a shield and then he says there's a reward. So the first one is, are you going to protect me? And then the second one is, I gave up all this. How, are you, how am I going to feed my family? What's the reward? The reward here doesn't mean like, like I got a, a trophy or a ribbon. Reward means the reward for serving God is that there's benefits to Jesus. In other words, he's in your corner. Isaiah 58 says he's got your back. God has your back better than any of us could ever have your back. We need to remember this, right? So we have protection. God's gonna protect, protect us with our fear. God's promise in you is the answer to any fear that comes upon you. Or we could say it this way, God's promise to you is the answer to the fear in you, right? So God's promise takes us through our fears forward. And then when it comes to the reward, you know, I woke up this week and I was incredibly grateful. Jesus has been good to me. We have had some incredible challenges in life. As a child growing up, we had some challenges in our marriage. We faced challenges with our family and in the church, we've faced challenges but at the end of the day, the promise remains, and I'm grateful that I have God in my life. Because, you know, have you ever thought this? I think that the greatest reward is just having God. We spend our whole life trying to accumulate possessions, but it's not enough. No matter how many possessions we accumulate, without Jesus, there's still a hole in our heart. And we're still trying to prove something out of our own strength. But when you have God, God is enough. Because when you live in a kingdom realm, you just kind of, you, you see God in everything and in everyone and God's working. When you see God everywhere, you have peace in everything. You have protection and you have reward. But if we don't change our definition of what reward is, we'll never have the experience of seeing God do what we can't do because there's a space that we have to move through constantly, right? Okay, so a dream, revelation, a burden and a reward, a burden and a promise. We live in that space. And here's Abraham. He's like, I don't know what to do. How's this going to happen? Verse two, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? What can you give me? I don't have any children. And the one who's going to inherit my estate, Eliezer of Damascus, it, it, it shouldn't be him, but it is. So now he's faced with something that is incredibly important. He's faced with a reality that he hears God's voice but he doesn't see God's plan. If you can hear God's voice, you don't have to see the plan. Do you think that the first disciples that Jesus called, like on the side of the river, he didn't tell them what they were gonna do. He didn't say, first we're gonna choose 12 of you. And then all of you are gonna quit your jobs. 
and you're going to give up all for the call. You're going to be dirt poor. Here we go. And then we're just going to live from house to house and walk around. Oh, and then by the way, all of you, but one of you is going to be martyred and killed horribly. Let's go. <laughs> but you're going to change the world, but they're going to chop your head off. Come on. Let's go. Oh, and if you have a family, they're going to kill your family too. Let's, let's go. See, they didn't know. They didn't know that they would change the world actually in that sense. All he said to them was, follow me. See, if you can hear his voice, you don't need the plan because his voice brings peace that planning can't. You see, all I need to hear for the peace of God is his voice. I'm telling you, you're gonna have times where you're so messed up and you're so tired and you're so confused and what's gonna happen is God's gonna speak to you and what you've been stressing out for three months is gonna be taken up in one breath, in one instance because the voice of God says, settle down, it's gonna be okay. You need the voice of God. We don't need the plan. Some of you are planners. You just plan everything. And people like me drive you crazy. Because I plan nothing. Not really, but I kind of, you know. Sometimes when people around me, and I, sometimes I do it as, as just to drive my team crazy. But sometimes there's so much planning going on, right? And they're like all stressed and small groups and everything. And I'll just go, hey, let, let, let's, let's go to coffee. Have you had coffee today? Have you had coffee? Oh, I got a new coffee drink. And they're just like spreadsheets. And, and I'm like, how about Top Golf? Let's go to Top Golf. Why not? Like, it's not like the kingdom of God's going to come to a screeching halt if we go work on our swing a little bit. Like, right? Some of you are just planners. And it's okay to have a plan. It's good to have a plan. But if you have a plan, because you don't have the voice of God to direct that plan, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to get burned out. You're going you're to wake up one day and you're going to think, man, I've worked my rear end off for the last 20 years and I'm not sure if I feel like I accomplished the things I was supposed to accomplish. So what we got to do is we got to hear his voice, right? So he's saying to God, I, I'm here and I don't, I don't have a son. So I don't know what you think, God, but I don't have a son. And he's wrestling in that space between earth and heaven. And the lesson is this. You never judge what God can do by what you don't have. You never judge what God can do by what you don't have. Because if we did, then there would be no need for revelation. There would be no need to have God speak to us. There would be no need to pray. There would be no need to have faith. You never look up on God and say, oh God, I don't have this. I don't have the finances, whatever. I can't, I can't do this. And so obviously this isn't supposed to happen. God is up in heaven looking down at us from heaven in our little box. You know, some, we live our lives in a box. Now the earth to you might seem like a big box, but to Jesus it's not. We're, we're just, we have all these, conf we're just confines. We're just stuck in, in the earthly realm. But, you know, the Bible says that someday, it's what Corinthians says, someday you will see fully. You'll come out of your box. Even the way you are now fully known by God. So how we view it is not how God views it, right? And so if we think that something can't happen, trust me, listen to me, listen to me. I'm telling you, if God said it, he's going to do it. If God said it can happen, it can happen. 
If God said he would provide, he's going to provide. If God said it's going to glorify him, it's going to glorify him. And when you get stuck, look up to the heavens and look at the stars and remember the promise and don't think about your circumstance. This is why he says, this is why he says, get out here, Abraham. Come on, you bad attitude. You know, you don't have enough. Come here. Takes him outside and he says, look up. Abraham looks up. This is the moment someone this morning suggested this. I wish I had a disco ball right now. (laughs) Just tried to try to be cool. We'd just throw disco stars on the ceiling. Abraham, just look up. Because even though you don't see it, And you don't believe it, and there's no natural way for it to happen. Look up, because if you can count those which you can't, that's how many children you're going to have. Now, just so you know, spiritually, how many of you know we're all children of Abraham right now, right? Part of the covenant. And so there's a couple of areas. Let me list them quickly. Areas where he reveals himself in our weakness. Here's a couple of them, our intellect. God does not need our intellect to do his work. He uses and works through our intellect to bring him glory, but God's smarter than we are. Does anyone agree? (laughs) Qualifications. I'm not qualified. God qualifies the unqualified. Last week we talked about this. God's looking for the heart more than he is the talent. If the talent is submitted with the heart, it's all good, but God can take somebody who has no rhythm and miraculously give you rhythm. I talked about worship. I threw them under the bus last week. I'm almost done here, but, but God's looking for the heart. He qualifies people who aren't qualified. Do you remember when Peter's walking along and they're like, I forget Peter. Look at him. He's a fisherman. Look at the way he's dressed. And then somebody goes, uh-oh, he's been with Jesus. He has? Oh, that ruins everything. Because it doesn't matter what your qualifications are. If you've been with Jesus, everyone knows. They knew it. Someone's in trouble. This is going to end bad. He's been with Jesus. So he qualifies you. I don't have the time. I don't have the finance. I don't have the strength. All of these areas are areas where God reveals himself. Now look, uh, verses three and four, and Abraham said, you've given me no children. So now he and God are having a conversation. And now he's pushing back, right? His attitude is showing. You have given me no children. And so, everyone say, so. In the original language, this is an affirmative. This is like, I have come to a conclusion. Has anyone here ever told God what you think? Lord, it didn't happen, so? God goes, say it again. (laughs) It didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. So? I'm not going to do it. And so I'm going to make a new plan. And the whole time, the promise hasn't changed. Lord, you gave me no kids. So, or maybe you're on the other end of that spectrum. God, you gave me nine kids. <laughs> so, you pay the bill. So, see, there's, there's, there's something that happens inside of him in this moment that is very important because all of us are just like him. You've given me no children, so... A servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came. In other words, the Lord said, excuse me. (laughs) That man will not be your heir. But a son who is of your own flesh and blood 
will be your heir. In other words, I am God and I will do a miracle. See, Here, here's the space. This is, we're human. God, Abraham says, so I'm, we're, we have a new plan. And he goes, excuse me, I am Yahweh. I breathed and you exist. I will do a miracle end of discussion. And he shapes Abraham. Nobody likes to get shaped by God. The problem is that when you get shaped by God, you know that God has a plan and a promise. You see, if, if you really want to understand kingdom and you really want to understand the divinity of God, who he is, when he shows us his divinity, it exposes our humanity. And when we compare the humanity and the, the divinity of God, we end up having these moments where we just fall down on our face and we say, holy, holy, holy. Remember Peter, when Jesus showed up and did the, the miracle with the fish, he, there's no fish. And so he goes fishing and Jesus calls all the fish in his head. All the fish go to his net and the boat begins to sink. And then he calls all his other partners, James, and they all come out with their boats and their boats start to sink. And Peter's never seen a miracle like this in his whole life. And Jesus is over there. Wait till John 21 because I'm going to barbecue the fish for breakfast. It's going to be great. And, and they're standing there. And then what does Peter do? He doesn't run up onto the bank in front of Jesus and go, thank you for the fish. He falls on his face and he bursts out into tears. And he says, he says, depart from me because I am an evil and a wicked man. And all of a sudden, when, when God begins to move, we don't see what the inheritance is. We start to see his glory. Because if you want to see his inheritance, I'm telling you, when you step into that anointing, then you start to see his glory. How often depart from me, I'm a wicked and evil man. And Jesus looks down and says, it's okay, Peter. This isn't about the fish anyways. You read it in Luke. He says, I'm just trying to show you how you're going to catch men. You have to catch men and have the equal sense of my glory. Like if it's good right now with the fish, Peter, just, just wait until the church explodes in Acts chapter two and you give the first sermon and 3,000 people come to the altar call. I'm just telling you. And all of a sudden the boats begin to break and the churches have to get started. If you think it's good with fish, wait until it happens with men. And so we, we have this, this moment where his divinity and our humanity come in contact with each other and it says that Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as faith because he leaned into the divinity and saw God's glory. And so we have to keep moving towards his divinity, having faith in the dream and the promise that he gave us. Verse five, then he took him outside and he said, now Abraham... Look up at the sky and count the stars. And if indeed you can count them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. There are just times and seasons where we have to get out of our box, out of our circumstance or even out of what has become normal 
You can't allow yourself in a kingdom world to allow comfortability or just things to get normal because nothing's normal when you're a Christian, right? We give up our income, we build relationships with people normally we wouldn't like. We have to say sorry to people, we normally wouldn't wanna do that. We, 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 we go to church and then we go again. And then we go in the middle of the week. We, we spend all of our money. We're asking teenagers instead of buying cars to spend all their money to buy plane tickets to go to the mission field and preach the gospel around the world. And their 16-year-old friends are going, huh? You're like, you did what? I took all my money that I saved for my car. And I'm going to Uganda. And their, their buddy's going, without a car? It just, it just, makes, it just makes no sense. There's just, there are times where you have to step out, step out. And I'm going to declare this today. I'm declaring this in the church this morning. It is time for us to step out of our box and to look to the stars again and to say, Lord, what, what's your plan? What is your purpose? What is your dream? What is your vision? Let's not get caught up in the petty stuff. Let's not get caught up on, on, on whether the, 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 the door needs to get fixed or something needs to happen. Can we just please get out into the streets and look up to heaven? And it's time to count stars again. I'm 51 years old. I'm not, I'm not 61. I'm not 35. I'm kind of in that, in that moment, right? I'm like, here, here we go, Jesus. And I've been counting stars since I was, since I was 21 years old. And then with every season, you go, man, is my season of counting stars over? What does it mean? What about the next generation? Listen, I'm just here to declare to you today, God's moving. He's called us to get out of our box and out of our stuff. God's view of, of our dream is not in our box. And so if we want to understand it, we have to look to the stars again. We have to keep counting stars. We have to take a season where we say, Lord, you come and you build the church. Lord, you bring us people who need to get touched by God. Lord, you touch us in a way that we haven't been touched. Give somebody hope today. There's somebody in here this morning you need hope. There's people in here you're lonely. There's people in here you're not even sure how you came here this morning. You don't even know how you showed up. You saw the sign and it was on a banner and it was flapping around in the wind and you're like, wow, they don't even have a real sign. The Lord's calling me. I'm being called. And, and, and it's just, there's a time and a season and we're in that season. We're going to get out of our boxes. We're still counting stars. We're going to believe God that he gives us a dream and a vision for not only our church, but for the city. And I want to see the glory of God. I want to see God move. I want us to have moments like in Joshua, when Jesus showed up in the Old Testament to Joshua as a soldier in a field, Joshua goes up and says, says Jesus, or says, hey, are you for me or against me? Because I'm going to Jericho to defeat him. What are you here doing here? And, and, and this strange warrior looks at him and goes, no. He says, I'm sorry, you didn't understand the question. For me or against me? He goes, no. But if you knew who was standing here, you would take off your shoes because this is now holy ground. I want to have moments where our humanity, where we come in contact with his divinity, and the result is we're on our faces. And God begins to move. 
you've never felt the glory of God or the presence of Jesus in your heart and in your spirit just come upon your body and in your mind and, and bring you to a place of desperation before. When your humanity meets his divinity, I'm telling you that the response and the reaction is so powerful and so deep and so wonderful that it just humbles us. It just humbles us. Stand with me this morning, would you? Stand at your feet and, and just lift your hands if, if you'd like. You don't have to, but I understand a lot of people are new here this morning, so we like to lift our hands. The Bible talks about lifting hands to God as a sign of surrender. Lift your hands with me just, just a little bit. Father, I thank you this morning for the presence, the presence of Jesus. Lord, as we stand here in our humanity and we come in contact with your div divinity, we want the response to be holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, we love you today. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for being our shield. Thank you for being our reward. Father, we want to dream. Lord, we're still counting stars. We're still trying to count the stars. We're still standing on your promises. Regardless of what has happened in our context, we, we just say, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we give you the glory. And Father, don't let us live a life that is, has us trapped and bound inside of this finite existence that we have. The Bible says, look up to the stars, Abraham. And so today, Jesus, we're still counting stars. We're still believing for God's vision and his dream. Church, pray this with me. Say, Father in heaven, today I come to you and I'm so grateful for forgiving me of all my sin, my lack of faith, and my unbelief. And today, Jesus, in my life, I believe that you have a plan. I'm counting the stars. I'm still counting the stars. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now clap until God you love him today.